Welcome to the podcast of Peace NBC. Our mission is to reach everyone who is someone in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this mighty word of God that will bless you. We hope you are touched and blessed by this podcast. To connect with this ministry or for more about Peace NBC, visit our website or email us at pmbc at peacembchurch.org. Come grow with Come peace. Grow with Come peace. Grow with Shout at a different neighbor because I don't think that one got the right reaction, but just put some oomph in your voice and say, God's going to put it back together. Brothers and sisters, division is defined as separating something into parts. For example, all of us have had a pizza. We know what it means to divide a pizza into pieces. And unfortunately for some of us, we got the short end of the stick because we got less pieces than other people. Division is also defined as a disagreement between two or more groups, particularly uh, when there is hostility or tension involved. This is why oftentimes when we look at division, we look at it from a negative perspective because many of the divisions that we go through involve negativity. As we look at the world around us, our world is as divided as a railroad track divides the rich from the poor. We are divided in everything in our life, especially in politics, from everything from the sanctity of life or whether or not we deserve reparations. There are divisions on how we should raise our children. There are divisions on which version of the Bible should we read from. How do we make our macaroni and cheese? Do we fry the turkey or do we bake the turkey? Do we stuff it or do we make stuffings on the side? All of these divisions highlight for us how easy it is for us to disagree. But wherever there is disagreement, we have to be honest and look at the opposite side and say just as easy as we can disagree, there's power when we are in unity. Brothers and sisters, in our text, we are introduced to three brothers. These brothers, or the descendants, rather, of three brothers. These brothers, according to Genesis chapter 10, are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They are Noah's three sons. And at this point in our text, they are one big happy family. Uh, Unlike us today, they had not, up to this point, they had not faced the realities that we deal with in family where we argue and we bicker and we fight. Y'all know how we do. We don't want to be honest, but every family fights. Every family has some conflict. Every family has some disagreements. Now, they had not seen these things. The Bible tells us in verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. It says, And as it came about, as they journeyed east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Shinar, brothers and sisters, would be in the lower region of Mesopotamia. It is what we would call today the land or the country of Iraq. Uh, This particular land at this time is ruled by a a man named Nimrod. Talk about him in a little bit. The Bible goes on to say in verse 3, 
Then they said one to another, come, let us make bricks and burn them or fire them thoroughly. And they used bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower who will reach into heaven. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. Brothers and sisters, this verse clearly shows us that they understood that without unity, division is a certainty. Uh, notice what they say in the text. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. And here is a complex problem for a lot of us today. So many of us are focused on making a name for ourselves. It is because we understand that without having a name, without having something to be said good about us, what will our legacy be? How will people know us? Otherwise, we would be just like these people scattered over all the earth. This is why, brothers and sisters, the Bible warns us in the third chapter and third verse of the book of Amos. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? This verse lets us know that we can't do anything unless we're on the same page. In verse 5, the Bible says, Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men had built. When you study the Bible, you'll understand that by the time God comes down and looks at this city, they are uh, led by a man named Nimrod. As you study names in the Bible, you'll understand that names show us the character and the behavior of a person. When you look at the name of Nimrod, his name means to rebel. It is because of this many theologians have considered Nimrod to be a rebellious person against the Lord. Uh, they glean this also from Genesis chapter 10 and verse 9. For in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 9, the Bible says that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. But if you actually translate that in its original language, it would literally mean to be in the face of the Lord which means that Nimrod was in opposition to the Lord. In other words, we would say it like this. He was puffed up. He was smelling himself. He had put himself up. He stuck up his chest in front of God. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 8 that Nimrod was a mighty warrior. This word warrior in the Hebrew is the word gibor. It means a tyrant. Uh, now, I don't think I have to say a whole lot about tyrants. We all know who tyrants are. Uh, tyrants are people who treat people as though they are less than in order to make themselves feel better. Tyrants are people who use fear and intimidation to rule whomever are their subjects. Uh, they are masters at disguising their personal agendas as life. See, what they do is they make people who don't have and make people who are less than feel as though you need them to leave. They need you to leave them in order for them to be important. They use things like public punishment. 
uh, in order to keep people in line. This is what we see even during the times of Christ when they would publicly crucify people to ensure that if you, uh, if you were to ever cross the Roman government, you would face this same situation. I'll never forget growing up in Savannah, there would be a store called Chewy's. I'll never forget it. And if you stole out of Chewy's, they would take your picture and they would tape it to the window as soon as people came in. And they would put above your name the word thief. That way everybody would know this person is a thief. Uh, brothers and sisters, some say that tyrants build walls, but leaders build bridges. And when we look at Nimrod's kingdom, we understand one thing, they had order. If you remember two weeks ago, I told you that if you want your family to stay together, one of the things that you need is you need order. In verse 1, the Bible says, and the whole earth was with one language. And they were of one speech. This tells us that not only were they organized, but they were also in communication. Now, I know some of you may be sitting here and saying, well, what, what's the big deal? Wouldn't it be a good thing if a family was on one accord, if they were all saying the same things, if they didn't have any disagreements, if there was no problems? Wouldn't we all love if our families never fight it? Wouldn't we all love if our families always got along? But here's the problem. There are questions that you have to answer when you talk about being unified. For example, the question like, who are you unified behind? What type of leader do you have? Who's at the head of the table? Who's the God that you are following? What are you united to do? Are you united to do good things? Are you joined together for a bad purpose? And lastly, a question that you have to ask is, what are you talking about? Uh, some of us, we, we, we know how those conversations get when we've joined on one accord to do bad. Uh, we, we've texted all day, all week sometimes. We've communicated how this thing is going to work out. I don't know about you, but there have been some times where I've made some plans to do some bad. And I've planned that thing out down to the T. And while I may have thought that it was good to be in unity, there are some things that you can be unified to do that are not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, brothers and sisters, as we look at the text, we must ask the question, where does division come from? Brothers and sisters, division will always be present when you are united outside of the will of God. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 says it this way. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. In other words, what Jesus is trying to let us know, it doesn't matter who you're unified with. If you are not unified with me, you are going to be scattered in the wind. And this is why no matter how hard we try to figure it out on our own, no matter how many soothsayers we go to, no matter how many friends we talk to, no matter how much of our family we try to communicate with, if you do not seek the Lord, you will always find yourself lost. Being outside of the will of God is when you are working in your flesh. 
If you were in Bible study, you would have heard this verse. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. I want to teach you how to realize when people are in their flesh. The Bible says, which are these? Adultery. That means when you are married and you walk out of your marriage. Fornication. That means when you ain't married and you just... Y'all know, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. All of these things show us that whenever people are operating in that way, they are working in their flesh. And the problem is... That whenever you are working in your flesh, you are bound to be divided. Because your flesh only looks out for what's good for itself. Uh, it doesn't matter how you join up with people. It doesn't matter how good of friends you are. Whenever you are operating in your flesh, you only looking out what for what's good for you. Uh, what's that? <clears throat> Wish I had somebody who could be a witness with me and say there's been times where I pursued my own motives. I've only thought about myself. I know I tried to act like I cared about you and I really wanted you to do good, but I was just looking out for myself. And I realized if you did good, I would do good. That's why you have some friends who only want you to be successful so they can ride your coattails to success. There are some side effects when you are divided. Whenever you break up, whenever you are separated, there are some emotions that come with your separation. There, there, there are some things you feel. For example, you've been friends for 20 years and y'all have a fallout. It makes you angry. Uh, you, you, you can't seem to get your point across. It makes you frustrated. Somebody don't pay you back your money, you deal with resentment. Uh, somebody let you down, you're sad. A friend tells your secret, you feel betrayed. A friend lies on you, there's some fear. Somebody talks about you, you are disgusted. Uh, people who know your secrets, y'all you, you know how we do, we talk too much. And we tell people all of our secrets. What happens when you break up and they know your secrets? Now you are anxious. You, 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 you're trying to figure out, how can I get back good in this relationship? Because I don't want you to tell everything you know about me. You already talk too much. There's some feelings like confusion. How did we fall out? What, 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 how is this such a big deal? And then there's the feeling of disconnection. It is when, 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 when you have to sit with the fact that we are not friends like I thought. It is when you have to sit with the fact that this relationship is not what I thought it was. Have you ever been in a relationship only to realize that we are divided even though I think we're together? Some people have moved on. Y'all know y'all women good for this. I moved on a long time ago. He just don't know it. Uh, too many of y'all laughing, too many of y'all laughing. Y'all know too much about it. The question we have to look at in the text is, is God doing the dividing? 
Oftentimes, when we look at people separating or people leaving us, especially when there's a disagreement, we will question or wonder in our minds, is this God? Uh, surely God could not be in a breakup. Surely God could not be in something so devastating, something so painful to me. Surely God can't have anything to do with the tears that are streaming down my face. Surely God would not allow this chaotic and confusing situation. But can I use the Bible to help you understand how God works? For example, in Isaiah 45 and 7, the Bible says that the Lord says, I form the light and I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let me give you another verse. Amos chapter 3 and verse 6 says, Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Brothers and sisters, all I'm trying to say is that sometimes it is God that's behind some of the divisions in your life. Brothers and sisters, God, yes, God has a way of taking a seemingly bad situation and using it for his good. In the text, the Bible says that this division was the Lord's doing. Go with me, if you will, to verse number six. The Bible says, the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Uh, can I just give you a lesson on the way to making my point? Uh, sometimes the reason we are not successful is because we have not purposed to do it. The Bible literally says that if they have their mind together, there is nothing they can't do. This is why we make statements like we are better together. If we are all on one accord, we can accomplish it. If you have the right team, you can do it. The Bible is outlining for us very clearly that when you've made up in your mind that Failure is not an option. You shall succeed. I don't care how many times I have to try. I don't care how hard I have to work. But when you make up in your mind, I'm not taking no for an answer. When you make up in your mind, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not throwing in the towel. Then you will get to the place where failure is not an option. Now let me keep going to my point. Verse 7 says, come. Let us go down and there, watch this, confuse their language. We got to go back up. The Bible said that it was the Lord in verse 5 who said, come, let us go down and look at what man is doing. Then we get to verse 7. He says, come and let us go down there, confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. A lot of our conflict comes because we're not talking about the same thing. Uh, perhaps the reason why there's so much beef in the family is because instead of us talking about doing the same thing, we're talking about each other. Uh, in verse 8, the Bible says, so what is the consequence? To us, to us not working together to accomplish God's will. It says in verse number 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. 
This shows us, brothers and sisters, that this division is ordained by the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth. And oftentimes when preachers stand up and they preach this text, they tell you that he's telling you to come out of the world. But he's not telling you to come out of the world. He's talking to come away from church folk who don't live what they say. Notice what he says. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Watch this. And I will receive you. A part of the problem is some of us believe that God will receive us and we have not changed. God will receive us and we have not repented. God will receive us and we're still connected to what is trying to keep us down. But division can be beneficial. How can division benefit me? What's so good about being by myself? Can we be honest? Some of us really don't like people. Some of us really prefer to be by ourselves. And if we just had a quick testimony service, somebody would probably get up and say, I have so much peace when I'm by myself. It's so quiet when I'm by myself. I can wear what I want to wear when I'm by myself. I can eat what I want to eat. When I'm, I can play whatever I want to play when I ride by myself. It is important, brothers and sisters, to understand that in moments of solitude, we gain the most clarity. It's when you're by yourself, when there's no distractions, that you get the most insight. It is important to understand that many of us desire to steal away and have time for reflection. Now, some people take vacations. They don't tell nobody they're leaving. They just pop up and they're gone. Some of us take sabbaticals. That means we're going to be back in a couple months. We, 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 we go on for a while. We change. Now, we come back a whole new person, change numbers, hairstyles, wardrobes, cars. We even live in a new address the next time you see us. But all of us understand. That division is a tool for our survival. That if I'm ever going to make it through this season of my life, I've got to cut away from some things and some people. And there are some moments when life becomes strenuous. Our battles with family become unbearable. And it is in these moments that we resolve within ourselves. If these Negroes want to live, I got to get by myself. We, we, we tell ourselves, now, I love my family, but y'all done plucked the last nerve. Y'all done said the last song. I'm tired of y'all. I've got to get by myself. Division not only provides you clarity, but it allows you time to reset and reposition. Because it is when you are isolated that you are able to properly identify what God has next. Can I suggest that some of you have been struggling because we are trying to hold on to what God is calling for us to let go of. Yeah, yeah, some of us are stuck in the same situation because we fear being divided. 
We fear being by ourselves. And for some reason, we keep bad things around. We keep bad people around. We keep going bad places. We keep engaging in bad activities. We keep saying bad things because we are afraid of letting God be God. But everything that is divided always comes back together at some point. I'm going to say that again. Everything that is divided always comes back together at some point. Brothers and sisters, God's plan for us was for us to be in what the Hebrew called a card. This word means that God wanted us to be as one. Uh, this word means that we should be unified. As a matter of fact, the God that we serve, he, pre he prefers singularity. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. In Isaiah 44 and 6, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. God understands that other people worship other things. He understands that some people worship Buddha, and some people worship Muhammad. But if you believe in the Lord of the Bible, then you'd have to agree that there is no God besides the God of Israel. He's so much one Lord that he wants us to be as one. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love. Being of one accord and of one mind. That means that we ought to be working on one accord. We all know what David said. He said in Psalms 133 and 1. He said, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That word unity means one. These verses teach us that God wants us to work as one. Throughout the Bible, we see God has taken broken situations and he's brought them back together. If you would, for a few moments, I'd like to tell you what Ezekiel taught us. If you go over to the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, somewhere around the first verse, you'll find where the Bible says that the Lord had taken Ezekiel up in the spirit and he drops him in a valley of scattered bones. And he asks the prophet the question, can these bones live? He asks him the question, can this impossible situation turn around? And the Bible says suddenly there was a sound and out of the rubble, and out of the separated bones, the Bible says that there was a shaking and the bones started coming together. The phalanges of the toe connected to the metatarsals of the foot. The metatarsals of the foot 
connected to the tarsals of the ankle. The tarsals of the ankle connected to the tibia and the fibula of the leg. The leg connected to the patella of the knee. The patella in the knee connected to the femur in the thigh. The femur in the thigh connected to the hip bone in the hip. The hip bone connected to the pelvis. The pelvis connected to the vertebral column called the spine. The spine was encapsulated by ribs. The ribs connected to the scapella, which was the shoulder blade. The shoulder blade connected to the humerus, which is the upper arm in your body. The upper arm connected to the ulna and the radius of the forearm. The forearm connected to the carpals in the wrist. The carpals in the wrist connected to the metacarpals in your hand. The metacarpals in your hand connected to the phalanges in your fingers. The phalanges in your fingers are connected to the pollux in your thumb. The pollux in your thumb are connected to the cervical vertebrae in your neck. The cervical vertebrae in your neck is connected to your skull. Your skull is connected by a mandible called the jawbone. The jawbone is connected by the maxilla, which is the upper jaw. The upper jaw is connected to the zygomatic bone of the cheekbone. Somebody might be saying, I don't get it. What are you saying? That Ezekiel stood in front of these bones and he was asked the question, can these bones live? And the Bible says the Lord told him, why don't you prophesy to these bones? Why don't you tell these bones that you can live again? Why don't you tell these bones that you're going to be all right? But the Bible said not only did the bones come together, but flesh came onto the bones and life came back into the bones. God is trying to tell you that I've got a way of bringing things back together again. I've got a way of turning that thing around. When you look at a clock, it starts at 12. And while it may make many stops on its way back to its destination, it eventually comes back to 12 again. When you look at the sun, it rises in the morning and it sets and then it's dark again. But do me a favor and nudge your neighbor and say, neighbor in the morning it rises again I just stopped by to tell you that God is going to bring it back together again the Lord's going to bring it back together again now somebody might be saying you don't know my family you don't know what we've been through you don't know how much we fight you don't know what it looks like you don't know how close to death we are you don't know how sick I am you don't know the hell I've been through you don't know the trouble I've seen you don't know what they said about me you don't know how they made me feel you don't know where I've been you don't know how low I've gotten you don't know how bad I feel you don't know how bad they made me how bad they made me feel you weren't there when I cried at night you weren't there when I was weeping you weren't there when my mama died you weren't there when my daddy died you weren't there when my son died you weren't there when my daughter died 
You don't know what I've been through, but I want you to know that God has a way of turning it around. Just shake your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's going to turn it around. Come on, shake that neighbor and say, neighbor, God is going to turn it around. I stopped by to tell you, he's going to put it back together. That bad marriage, he's going to mend it again. That sickness, he's going to heal your body. That pain, he's going to take it away. Those financial problems, he's going to regulate it. The soul that you feel is lost, he's going to save you. And I know you've been seeking for answers. You've been going all over the place. But the reason why you don't have no solution, because you ain't doing what the Bible said. For I heard the Bible say, I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. Somebody might ask, why are you looking to the hills? Because on a hill far away, they led my Jesus up on a hill called Calvary. They stretched him wide. They nailed him by his hands. They pierced him in his side. But the Bible says he hung his head and then died. They said, well, why is it that you're looking to the hills? Because he didn't stay on that hill. Three days later, the Bible says he got up again. And I want to let you know that the same way he got up again, God's going to turn it around. Just shake that neighbor and say it's turning around. It's turning around for me. Come on, practice that turnaround. Just turn around where you are. Just turn around where you are. And just like you turned around, God's turning around right now. Somebody say yes. I got to go. I got to go. But they used to tell us a story. <coughs> they used to tell us a story when I was a kid. And that story would say something like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. It said Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they tried to put them back together again, but they couldn't. And I know your situation looks like all the people you've gone to can't put it back together. I know it seems like there's no answers, but we serve a God that's able to do the impossible, that's able to do the incredible, that's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. Hallelujah. Doors of the church are now open. There may be one today that does not know him in the pardon of their sin. Oh, hallelujah. Just nudge that neighbor and say, he's going to do it. 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 Hallelujah. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I got some things I need the Lord to do today. He's going to do it. It might look bad, but he's going to do it. it I, I might have given it up, but he's going to do it. 
I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And what he's done for others, he'll do the same for you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you were touched and blessed by what you have heard. Remember to follow us on social media. For more info about Peace NBC, visit us at www.peacenbchurch.org. If you would like to support this ministry and help us reach more souls, visit our website and click Give into this ministry. Be blessed, and we will see you next time. Peace NBC Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.